Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. on MLB news right now mm. but there is something that you just can't not discuss McCutcheon I'm coming is going home. back I'm to the Pirates and the pull quote that they offer for this I want to win here is one of the saddest pull quotes I've ever seen from somebody going back home this is not a Pujols back to the Cardinals situation <laughs> yeah I mean you could say that a lot of different ways I want to win here or <laughs> I, I want to win here. It's just really, I spent a lot of time on that, that lineup and, um, well, quite frankly, it falls apart really fast. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know how you make any progress on it. I mean, between them and the nationals, it's just kind of like, great. What do I, do? Oh, come on. Wait, 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 wait. The nationals are in a league of their own of like, who the who the heck cares? Well, like the Pirates are at least you're like, well, I could see where this is the year where they're gonna have this, and this is like Carlos Santana and G Man Choi are number five hitters on half the teams in the league. So at least they have the number five slot. Okay, Fixed. okay, but here's here's what I don't like is that they will sell any piece that is not nailed down. So uh, while this true. could yes. be day one lineup. Sure. Is this day 10 lineup? I don't know. How long is Brian that Reynolds going to be there? They're actively shopping him, right? I mean, they're said to be actively yeah, they're shopping asking him. for so much for him. They're not going to ever get rid of him. <laughs> I know. I mean, Cabrian Hayes and O'Neill Cruz, I assume I assume both of them are gone at some point as well. No, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I like your layout given the personnel right now. And now... Where do you slot McCutcheon in this? Because why do you have him come back if he's not going to play? Oh, God. Are they going to just put him at first? Are they going to slot so. him into the line at first? Because, like, why the hell not? <sighs> why have him come back? I mean, this is like Pujols, right? They had to play him, even though... He's actually a player that I think this is actually more comparable to. Go ahead. And you just have to start saying, just have to start having what you know about going, and then you realize that Joe Maurer is up, in a position that he shouldn't be in the batting order. And you just hear that I just hear that music now and it's just That's even worse than the Pujols situation. <laughs> that that argues for slotting McCutcheon in here at three. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I think he is. I wasn't joking when I said they're gonna bat him first. Um I don't think they can bat him first. I don't, he's not mobile enough anymore. I mean, oh it would be so heartless to O'Neill Cruz. And they would torture O'Neill Cruz's value when I'm ninety nine percent certain that they want to sell him. I don't think. I actually don't think. I think they do want to get rid of Brian Reynolds. I want. I think that they want to keep O'Neill Cruz and Brian Hayes for the next. I don't know. Relevant time when they're relevant. Okay. Well, give me this. Over under seventy games. Pirates win. Win? Yeah. Oh, that wasn't the direction I thought you were going. No, go you look at that. this Pirates team. Is this a seventy win team? What did they get last year? Last year, this was a sixty-two and one hundred team. 
The Pittsburgh Pirates in 2022, 62 and 100. Are they eight games better than they were last year with basically the same no. people except for adding McCutcheon? No. Well, they've actually, there are fewer people on the team now except for they got Santana. So, Angie Manchoy. Is McCutcheon happy? No, I don't think that they're under 70 wins. When McCutcheon year. says, I want to win here, does he mean more than 40% of the games? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the bar. <laughs> NBA. We have not talked about it. NBA. But it's we're closing in on the All-Star break, right? All-Star All-Star weekend for NBA. Mm-hmm. So worth taking stock of the situation. You and I place some uh place some early season predictions. What are the You actually have one called for you in stone against me. You got one correct. Which one? Utah. Over. Oh well. Twenty three point five there, twenty four wins. Boom. I knew I don't know why Utah's line was so low. That was that was crazy to me. Well, they got rid of all, all their they got rid of their two best players, and yeah, but it's a but they they were very Danny Ainge came in and very much a team that could have just been going for a top right draft pick. I thought they were going to, and then they opened the gates and won. Eight games oh, see, and, I oh, I did I never I never thought they were smart enough to you know actively tank. No, they are. Well, they are. I mean, that's why Danny Ainge is there versus a, a whatever Joe Schmo who comes out of. Like, I don't know, Mill Valley. I, I understand, but in this situation, Danny Ainge d- damaged their chances. <laughs> but actually, but they he put together a team of competent NBA players in a league this year that has a bunch of teams that are like, you know, we're actively going to lose. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. So, so that's that must be the only one that's even like remotely close to being called. Mm-mm. No, you're about to get two more. Um, they just have to. Oklahoma City and Indiana just have to win one more game. Two other teams that should have been just losing it. And Oklahoma City, I just can't be on the over after they screwed me two years okay, ago. Okay, OKC. decide less 20 games. Like, we're not going to win two games. OKC, sure. I didn't, I didn't think this would go there. Pacers are like a, a classic can't-lose team, can't-win team <laughs> to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, this, is, this is not a team that strikes me as, like, we're going to be able to tank successfully. Well, they got four guys over 17 points per game. That is... Well, I mean, isn't isn't the clear thing here... There, what's in com- what, what do we have in common with those three teams? Very small market yeah. where they're the only show in town. Where I just that the crowd's going to show up because it's the only thing to do. Yeah. Well, I guess Indianapolis also has a cult, Yeah, but you, but you might also think that then, then Charlotte might be doing better. <laughs> that team... No. That team is... <laughs> Is bad or or the Blazers, right? The Blazers are the Blazers are decent. Uh, they're okay. The Bla- Blazers, to be clear, are worse than I thought they would be. Yeah. Well, let's move on to part two of the conversation that we started last week. This idea of forecasting plate appearances through games played in lineup order. We have some serious progress made in the lineup order. Thank you. I'll have you introduce that. And then I have some discussion to have about the last hurdle in terms of games played, but. I think also some good news. So why don't you catch us up on what uh, what you spent some some evenings last week working on? Oh yeah. So as we presented last week, Mike had gone through and done a, a just a first pass of like if I was constructing the lineup order for each team, this is what I do: put the players in oh, the players on the appropriate team. Some of them were surprises, <laughs> um, as, and we've already got a, a change that we have to make with Mister Arise. But getting uh, sort of a lineup board together and it's a little bit difficult because we're doing we're trying to think in a couple dimensions here of like number one what is the ideal lineup order but then also thinking like 
well, this might be the ideal lineup order, but we also have to really kind of match this to like who's going to get the most descending order plate appearances for for the entire team. So as much as we discussed this last week, as much as Michael Brantley is probably going to be the bat number three when he's in the lineup or number two, he's not going to be in the lineup that enough that he should be in that spot for the team. So I went through and brought in some, did some research from the data that Michael had put together. Unsure why he hates the Diamondbacks, but he does hate the Diamondbacks. <laughs> no, unsure why, um, unsure why StatCast hates the Diamondbacks. <laughs> StatCast hates the Diamondbacks. Sure. Let's, yeah, let's, let's pass the blame. And, and brought in some real information so I could so we could say, okay, down the stretch, the most important team that we should probably get in here is the Nationals. Down the stretch, they like Lane Thomas, C.J. Abrams, and Joey Manisas. I don't know how to, how to put that together. That's, that's the order that they liked, so let's put them in that order because mm-hmm. otherwise, who cares? And in little things like Paul Goldschmidt, they like to put before Nolan Arenado, mm-hmm. so... Whatever we do, we should probably have them in, in that order. So just little, little things like that. Um, some teams were more interesting and more difficult than others to really try to get the... Actually have a case to put together to be like, uh, this player should be here. Who actually is the number one hitter for the Guardians? Who will it be? Well, they wanted Stephen Kwan down the the end of the season. So, well, might as well put him there, right? That's, that's an interesting... Yeah, that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. I mean, I worry a little bit about biasing towards the end of the season because, well, I guess in the case of the Guardians. Some teams, yeah. I think that they're, they're, some teams, it was clear that they were putting together the, like, we're out of it. Let's just, let's try this because we want to make this a thing next year. Right. And I, and I tried to go with a sub couple of those teams where there were some late departures where it's like, I'm looking at the 2022, your lineup, ideal lineup order. It's like, that guy's not there. <laughs> yeah. That guy's not there. If I go into here, it's like, okay, well, there's, this is what the Royals were doing down the end of the season. Okay, this makes a lot of this makes a lot of sense. But I, I agree with you. I didn't want to do that for every team. I, I brought in where I thought it was like the Reds. Yeah, this this is the Senzel now. year. Okay, if you say so. Yeah. Did you like my notes? <laughs> I put in a couple of notes in here as I was going through, just so that like if I. It, just have some have some thoughts to back up. No, the, the notes the notes are really good. I mean they 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 hammer home my overarching point here, which is that you know this is inherently a little bit of a uh, a very hands on exercise. And my key question to you is like, yeah. can we sustain this on a yearly basis? Because this takes time <laughs> to put together. Well, so w- when we think about it in the sense, if you talk to or if you listen to any podcast or talk to anyone who does does rankings. They are putting, they know every, they know, go through every play and figure out what it is that they think that the play appearances are. We have decided that instead of trying to tinker with little numbers and say, oh, I don't think it's 578, I think it's going to be 600 something, so 612. Yeah. (laughs) You know, instead of going through that way, we're trying to put our money where our mouth is and put the data together that adds up and tells us what the, what the play appearances are going to be. And I think that that route, we are going about it in a different way than other fantasy experts and baseball experts are going to do. But I think we're doing it doing it our way. We're doing it's the same amount of work. It's just it's just different. This is yeah. Henry Ford versus the Toyota production system. I mean, this is fun in the sense that it's it's like it's data driven gut feelings. 
yeah yeah because at, at some point i mean i guess what what i'm getting to is that at some point there there is and we talked about this last week that there's always a leap that has to be done by hand and the question is where do mm-hmm. we take that leap by hand and i like that we've chosen a different place to take that leap by hand than other projection systems i think that gives us yeah it gives us a fresh perspective this does another thing for us which I was I was, I was do, walking the dog and had this realization. It's like, well, this helps us to know the number of hitters that we need to think about. Yes. Nine hitters, and now the AL and NL are both using a designated hitter. Nine hitters for 30 teams, 270 hitters. And then we probably want to count for another, you know, another maybe 20, 20 players. And then we're going to have the same thing on the pitching side. Five starting pitchers, two two spots. Two uh, relief spots, so that's going to be 7 times 30 is 210. 210 plus 270 is 480, and then 20 wild cards that we want to account for. Boom, we have our top 500. Yep. That's why we have 500 players that we need to we need to rank. It's pretty crazy to think about the fact that right? it's there pretty we crazy go. It makes so that there much are 500 sense. players. It all of a sudden makes sense. <laughs> Now that we're doing it this way. No, I I mean, th- these are the things that I like. I like looking at these little subtleties. I like the fact that it's crazy if you look at the lineup spot that guys batted in and the number of games played and this relationship, you nail their plate appearances. There, yeah, it exactly. is crazy right. yeah. how yeah. well this works conceptually. And that really yeah. does tell us that this thing, putting the lineup in order, is arguably the most important thing. And then the games played. But I think there's a lot of things to talk about with games played. Yeah. So. Right. I was going to, I mean, I was going to ask if you had any other teams that you were kind of interested in. I mean, you shifted my, I was looking at teams that you shifted around a lot based on what I thought. Um, <laughs> yeah. You tell me which ones did I, did I move around a lot that you weren't uh, as, as wild about? No, 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 no. I, it's, it's not that I'm not. I'm not wild about any of them. I really, I like all the the movements that you did. I think, I think the Rays. I had no idea what to think. I think that was. I mean, you. That looks pretty different for me from what I threw in, without looking at, without really looking at the data. Yeah, and so the, okay, this is a this is a good one to talk through then. Um, I you I think you had a Rosarena yeah. first. And I put Yandy Diaz in first because they love batting Yandy Diaz first. I find that, yeah, I guess I find that really interesting because I, yeah. In a way, he's a, he's a classically unclassic um, money ball leadoff hitter. Right. He gets on base. He can run when he's on base. He looks pretty good on the bases. He's fine up there. And it gives you someone then to bat in right. instead of it being um, like, oh, you have Manuel Margot. It's like, yeah. well, they actually hate Manuel Margot. They like to lead him off against left-handers, okay. but they actually kind of hate him. <laughs> and, Everybody's always um, hated him. I mean, they hated him in San Diego, too. They hated him in Boston. They hated him in San Diego. <laughs> Wander Franco, I think they put him second okay. a bunch, and I think that we need to, like— Let's put our money where our mouth is and say this is a Wander Franco year. We got through the sophomore slump. We did. This is the years, guys. Um, and then they had uh, they had Randy third. A lot a lot of the places what I was that I was looking at to gut check myself had Brandon Lowe third. Mm, that's interesting. I kind of think that th- I kind of think that they're going to rather have him be clean up this year instead of having to have him on base to. You know, be in front of a cleanup hitter. I think that they they would rather have him. Okay, 
go for power this year a little bit. Slow down a little bit on the base pass. Wait, so wh- so where did they put Randy? And he's got power. Where did where did if you have if you have low third? They put him clean up. Really? They just swapped these two. Yeah. That's not what I would have expected. That's something I wanted. Take a look. I don't want Rosarena there, especially from a fantasy perspective. I think that hurts his value to have him at cleanup. No, I'd rather him not try to get forty home yeah, runs. Yeah, exactly. I'd rather him try to get thirty home runs and twenty exactly. stolen bases and bat exactly. two eighty than try to bat get four hundred forty. I yeah. guess I guess some of me putting a Rosarena first was like. Boy, his fantasy value would be amazing <laughs> if he was hitting first. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, could you imagine? I mean, like, if you think about it, if he was, like, on the Yankees and he uh-huh. was batting first uh-huh. in front of Aaron Judge, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like I like this dream scenario world. I mean, that was kind of one of the fun things about putting these lineups together was, like, boy, I really wish they would do this. Could you imagine? <laughs> and then coming back to Earth with, like, oh, they're going to do this. It's less exciting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is what they're really – but that was why I'd, I'd like to see what, what is actually done – to be like, well, they never actually batted him first. So I, I'm not going to put him first, even though he seems like he's number one hitter. We need to chat about the denominator, though, again, which is what are we going to do with games played? This is, I would argue, the last great hurdle. And honestly, I don't have a ton of leads on how we actually make progress with this. I have a couple things to present first. Um, I We looked at three-year averages last year. It was the way that I was talking about this. But we don't have to do three-year averages. I know you're a big disaggregated data kind of guy. So I was looking at the values from the three previous years and asking sort of what does this distribution look like? Like what is the distribution of games played from year to year look like? And so I've got a figure for you here. And what I did was I took the games played in 2022 on the x-axis and plotted a scatter plot with the games played in 2021 in black or games played in 2020 in red the color scheme is not the most important thing here the thing that i wanted to get out of this is that there actually is kind of a characteristic distribution here in the sense that 50 ish percent of the guys are going to be within five games of how many they played in the previous year so i'm looking in this upper right corner where you've got a lot of guys playing 140 to 160 games and they're pretty consistent so the points are up there but then it fans out from there. I mean, you got guys that, that play in 40 games one year, 150 the next. You got the opposite, played in 160, played in 40 games the next one. So we know that there are going to be guys in this tail of games play distribution. The question is, how do we possibly predict them? And I've decided on some level, and I need you to persuade me not to do this if you want to do something different, that I'm just going to ignore that. And I'm going to forecast guys basically based on their most optimistic games played of the previous three years. And then when we're running, when we're running during the season, we just have to be ready to ax them from that spot. But I think we can't, we can't really base, we should, it's not responsible for us to really base our projections off of injuries unless we know something is up. In which case we should, we should go optimistic, say, sell our projections as this is the ceiling. We reserve the right, we reserve the right to update these later. Yeah, I think accuracy and pre- accuracy versus precision, that makes sense. Or we're trying to get precision on this is the highest. This is the ceiling for everybody, and I think that that makes sense. Yeah, I just, I just, I thought about this a lot over the past week, and I just can't come up with a reason to do something different than that. I mean, everything, all of these, like, 
big prediction swings are injuries and the usage the usage changes that is guys going from 120 to 140 games those are really hard to predict and i i don't see a i don't right now see a systematic way to do that based on what was happening i looked for a little while at like what happens if i partition guys into guys that are trend that have a trend line up for games and guys that have a trend line down for games it was not informative there was so much noise that it just there just wasn't information there how um how many games are played so we're gonna prorate 2020 is prorated there are only 60 games played so there there's significantly more noise in the you know games played but this is this is pretending like i prorated the games right so this is sort of the byron buxton rule yeah right yeah but buxton but over the past three years it's okay because buxton hasn't ever gotten more than 130 games (laughs) so it's not like no that's my point yeah so he's gonna be 105 games prorated that's the most games he's played in the last three years yeah exactly that's insane No, i know but that makes sense and i just i just don't have any so we just talked about getting getting uh, plate appearances from first principles by putting guys in their lineup and i don't have any first principles way to predict games other than to say everybody's going to get a standard number of days off great boom project all of these guys for 145 games played okay we're done (laughs) i mean it's just I don't think we're gonna do better than that. Um. Well, what you could do, you know, what you could do is understand for the guys. Well, okay. So here's one one thought, but we can we can throw that this out immediately. Think about our team guesses and our and our batting orders as as if we didn't do this necessarily, but as if each one of these was just our prediction on plate appearances. Yep. Right. Yep. Here is the ordering of um, in descending order of of our predicted plate appearances. Then go into each team and put in plate appearances in descending order, and then say here's here is what lineup order not lineup order but plate appearances three the average across the league was this number of games mm. played. And see if there's actually a connection mm. of, well, plate appearances guy number nine actually usually only played 120 games, and then we can, and then we can put that put that in as our base assumption, and that might actually tell us a little bit about. I mean, we're gonna have some the outlier cases of teams that have, you know, the like the Astros. Yeah. It's a really good team yeah. where, where most of them are going to actually play. Kyle Tucker at lineup six is going to play 150 yeah. games. Yeah. But you know, based on this kind of analysis, it might might say fewer. So that's my only thought in how we could we could do this, and then that would probably minimize, or you could average that with your 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 um, best of the last three years I, I think that's a that's a fun idea i mean i like that a lot because what i'm really looking for what i was really trying to collect was essentially all the ways that you could imagine that you could think about the number of games guys played and i okay so yeah, there was yeah. one the maximum played in the last three years there's another one based on lineup oh, ranking what do we expect yeah based on three-year average right and then i essentially look for discrepancies <laughs> right so it's like okay if they agree Okay, we're done. I'm not going to worry about it. But if there's discrepancies, that's what I'm interested in. 
And that's where I was looking at another thing that I was interested in, guys that I want to highlight for this year, just one more short thing to bring up, was from the lineup list that we generated, our collective wisdom generated, I compared how many plate appearances you would have expected them to get last year versus how many they actually got. So what this is saying is that if there's big differences here between the modeled plate appearances and the real plate appearances, this is a place where we might expect there to be some value shift coming into this year. And I don't know if we're more excited about the guys that are going down or the guys that are going up. Essentially, this first guy, for an example, David Fletcher, last year really had 665 plate appearances. But based on where we put him in the lineup, we're predicting him for 562 plate appearances this year. And that is a huge swing. Mm-hmm. But then conversely... How did he get to 665 <laughs> plate appearances? That's the amazing thing. But conversely, take the opposite guy, Mike Yastrzemski, last year. 532 plate appearances, but based on the games played and where we're slotting him this year in the lineup, 621. I mean, these are there's some big shifts available here. So the question is, mm-hmm. are we buying these discrepancies? Like, are we buying the fact that, you know, Willie Adamas is going from 555 to 641 in this? Yes, I am. I, I that is that is a good one to to highlight. Okay. Is this a swung song for Charlie Blackman? I mean, some of these are coming up here, and it's like, yeah, I was thinking about this in the back of my head. The model plate appearances for Charlie Blackman are 654, and our realized plate appearances from last year, 582, right? Yes, Is that how I'm supposed that's to right. That? Yeah, I mean, and, and I was thinking in the back of my head, you had had him a little bit higher in the batting order than yeah. I thought, and I was like, yeah, this is going to be a swan song. Yeah. So, like, you know, when players like that, and actually Willie Adamas was one where I was like, no. We're going to put them up here at first in, in our... Yeah, and so... So this is this is good. This this actually... I like some of these players that came came up. I'm, there's some of them that I was expecting to see that you haven't. Well, that, me, that means they're within 10% of their realized. Yeah. So what I did essentially was I took, based on our lineup order, how many... And the number of games they played last year, how many played appearances we would have predicted them for. That was the model. And then compared that to what they actually got last year. Essentially looking for guys that are moving a lot in the lineup that are, you know, significantly different this year. And seeing some guys, I mean, I'm more, so basically I, and then I took all the guys that were more than 10% different. Um, you can see what the distribution looks like in the in the figure. Uh, you're highlighting Randall Grichik. Um, I want, I've always wanted Randall Grichik to be a thing. You know how we have stay away teams in EPL? Randall Grichik has basically moved into like, stay away territory for me because I keep getting too excited by him. Mm -hmm. So I think this is the kind of delta that I'm also going to generate when we start getting into the season. That's what we really need to do, especially once we get in there, uh, once we get in there and have some real lineup orders. So I have some ideas for, I have some ideas looking for the future. I think we'll keep working on this. I feel like next week I actually want to shift to pitching. So I'm going to try and make some similarly related summary stats for pitchers. See how we do. Great. I think that we need need to think about it that way, too. Uh, The way that I was saying of, like, the lineup order, as in, it's not the lineup order, it's the plate appearances amassing order. Like, we can just think about it that way. Instead of, like, one, two, three, four, five starting pitchers, here's the number of one, two, three, four, five, like, highest innings pitched pitchers per team. Agreed. And And I think we've been very successful with that concept for hitters. So let's kick the tires on that concept for pitchers next week. I'll put together some numbers. All right. That brings us to the review session. Zach Gallen. Is Zach Gallen the 
nerdiest looking starting pitcher in the MLB? Wow, when you started, when you put nerdy with that, I really thought you were going to say like that nerd's favorite pitcher. Um, well, also true. Yeah, if you look at his, if you look at his avatar, you see why the nerds love him. It's because he looks like them. But Zach Gallen, really interesting numbers here. Okay, so in 2022, he's got a 2.54 ERA, a 0.91 WHIP. This is across 31 games, so not a small sample size. He's got 184 mm-hmm. innings pitched, 192 strikeouts in that. 12 wins, four losses. <laughs> like to see him somewhere other than Arizona to, to juice those numbers yeah. a little bit. But <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> but otherwise, <laughs> these are good numbers. I mean, this is he is he going to slot in at number one? Obviously, he's going to be the ace for them. Be ridiculous not. Number one fantasy pitcher this year? Okay, put it down. <laughs> Mike says, I'm going to say not the number one fantasy pitcher this year. I mean, this this is a roto darling, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just slot him in and forget. Um, it's funny I had him because last year I think a lot of people thought that he was going to be it was going to be his year uh-huh. 2021 and, and, it, and it wasn't so he was able to flip that win losses and and just look like the guy that everybody was predicting him to be. interesting that he's never been picked for an all-star game I mean there's just really yeah, the way because the way that savant lays things out they really emphasize when guys have been on the all-star team uh mm, they are MLB never shows. never been an all-star I mean I think that 2021 season was a real stinker and really put people off. It did put me off. I was like, I'm done. Not Zach Allen. I, I th- not on my, I think I'm actually reasonably high on Zach Allen. I think he's righted the ship just based on how he looked last year. And for some reason I watched him a couple times down the stretch. I can't, Oh, did you? I can't tell yeah. you why, but he looked, he looked he looked like a a guy that knew what he was like knows what he's doing. I mean, he's so he's 27 years old this year, so we we think he's probably coming into the prime of his career. He's got a super high fastball spin. He's pretty good across the rest of the board here with the exception of he doesn't miss a lot of bats, which makes sense when you look at his K per 9. He's basically down at mm-hmm. 9 K per 9 more or less. Yeah. I, I mean, I do I think he's going to get under 1 for his whip this year? No, but do I think he'll? Yeah. Do you want to hear what his I would, XERA and XFIP I would love are? to know. XERA three point one seven. Okay. XFIP three point three one. Okay. His home run to fly ball rate was nine percent. Whoa. And the year before, the two years before, it was fifteen. So if you're wondering why he was keeping home runs wow. per nine was zero point seven three instead of. 1.41 the year before so i mean if you we better we better look at what we better look at what balls arizona got and which ones they put the in the humidor yeah, yeah. um his oh man i'm gonna predict zach allen for some regression his the babip was 237 what really in front of that terrible defense <laughs> it's gonna just be even more terrible oh. this year. left on base was 78 percent we might need to make some distributions for Babbitt, but I mean that has got to be an outlier amongst the top yeah, twenty. One hundred percent. It's like two sixty, two seventy is is where it really is supposed to sit. So yeah, that is low. When we see two eight, because here's the thing, he got unlucky in twenty twenty one. His ERA was four point three. His X ERA is three point nine five, and his X FIP was three point nine six. So he was I just mean, under a four ERA pitcher. That's not that unlucky. He was, <laughs> What? That's not that unlucky. That okay. I'm talking directionally. Sure. This year, yeah. instead of it, he's his ERA was 2.5 and his xERA was and xFIP were in 
well, 3.2 and 3.3. So those are pretty lucky though. Cause that's, I mean, that's a third. Off that of is it, pretty right? lucky. That's a third off your ERA. Mm-hmm. Man, this is bumming me out. Cause I was actually pretty high on gallon. I'm going to buzz kill you. You are, buzz you are buzz. You gallon. are buzz killing me. I was, oh, and here's I, this, this stat, you are not going to be able to change until it changes. He is an Arizona diamondback, a team that you hate. I do. A team that you hate for good reason, because they're terrible. I don't know how we got 12 wins. Yeah. How did he get 12 wins? That's a good question. He's So he had a killer August last year. I'm looking at his game logs. He had a killer August. Five wins in August. 44 strikeouts, which is way higher than any other really good. any other month. Yeah. It pitches 40 innings. Basically, he got it done in August. So and And he was pretty good in September, which is essentially August and September is when I was kind of interested in how he was doing. Okay, I'm so is he this August September pitcher, or is he the guy who first time out went four innings? <laughs> uh oh I mean he's he's somewhere in between those he's somewhere in between those things i I do think that he um I don't think that he was the pitcher that he, that he showed up as last year. So he, I think he's closer. If you look at his his career, his four season career, yeah. he's a 500 pitcher. Yeah, he's a 3.1 ERA, mm-hmm. and his his WHIP is 1.1. You know that sounds a little bit closer to who he was for his career. And his career ERA is 3.1. Yeah, I like. Let's not let's not say that he's terrible, but I don't think that he's going to be. This darling, he also I mean, part of the reason why he probably grained August was because that team had no expectations, so he could just go out there and pitch. Like, who cares? This is like, you know, this is like spring training. But it still, let's let's say he puts out his he puts out his season career average. I want that as my number three uh, roto pitcher, at least. Yeah, I mean, I there's an argument that like, oh, maybe I just take that as my number two just to accumulate a whole bunch of stats i don't think you take him as your number two i think that you're in really if you're focused on pitching i think Uh you do take him as your number three or if you're like or if you're really not investing in pitching and and he falls i think that maybe you do so tell me do you have do you have his draft numbers in front of you by any chance because i'd I'd be really don't have his draft numbers but i I think he's pretty expensive his fantasy baseball rankings as of right now Ooh, pitcher. He's uh, player sixty nine, <laughs> ADP of fifty eight. Yeah, see, that's for twenty twenty. That's the worry is that he's really expensive. That's too much. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have to take man. You're gonna have to take him in front of Dalton Varsho, Xander Bogarts, Dansby Swanson, oh. Tommy Edmond. So a bunch of leadoff of your life, a bunch Tim of Anderson. a bunch of interesting leadoff hitters. There's no way I would take. I mean, unless I was really all in on pitching. No, even then I wouldn't take him for as a number two all in on pitching. Yeah, you're gonna have to put in number two value, number two value to be able to get him. In a twelve team, he's number three. In a in a fifteen team, he's your number two. All right. Well, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get him unless I have some crazy thing in the TGFBI KDS. <laughs> Pitcher number twenty nine. He is. Um, Here's how we go from 25 to 35. We go Max Fried, Ryan Presley, Christian Javier, Yu Darvish, Zach Gallen, Ryan Helsley, Framber Valdez, Joe Musgrove, Bryce Iglesias, 
Felix Batista. But whew, can't say that one. Felix Batista and Robbie Ray. So in that, in in that view, wow. Well, you know what? I kind of would like him more than most of those pitchers that I just listed. Sure, most of the pitchers, but I don't like him more than leadoff hitters. Right. Oh, yep. On board with you. So, so maybe in a in a relative pitching sense, I buy that, but I, I it's not where I want to get him. <laughs> right. And this is the but this is this is where you're gonna wa- have to watch him because value is so fickle. Um, Robbie uh, Robbie Ray is ADP of eighty three. Hmm. Hmm. So that that balloons pretty fast. Hmm. Okay. ADP. Let's see by ADP. Mm. Yeah. So if you're going by ADP, you you're picking them around Gosman, Hader, Freed, Castillo, Javier, and Framber Valdez. That's Valdez interesting. Sixty-five. Yeah. I I mean, I would almost rather strategy-wise, it's hard to see how I don't take a lights out closer there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I just I just don't see myself I just don't see myself taking Gallon over Hater or Iglesias. Sure. Yeah, I agree. It's it's hard it's hard to see strategy wise how I've constructed a team where that makes sense. I mean it's possible. <laughs> it's possible, possible, but it's it, I I don't see that a priori. I agree. Do we have something that we want to put in the that box for him? Well, I think I'm looking at his career numbers. We kind of zeroed in on his career numbers. So I'm going to ask you both ERA and whip Oof. over under on his career. 3.09 ERA, 1.10 whip. Which direction are you going on those? Over on the ERA. Okay. And I think oof, 1.1 uh, over on the whip. All right. I will. I'm happy. I'm not thrilled, but I'll take the under on both. We're gonna split those. Yeah, that feels like a split. <laughs> that feels like a split. Are we, we putting a games minimum in there? Ten, ten game minimum. Yeah, ten game minimum. Let's just be let's be nice. Yeah. Okay. Who are we doing next week? Clayton Kershaw. Heard of him. Yep. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fancy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the C. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.